If you are listening to this podcast, then you are still on the right side of the ground, and right now, that is a major win. Maybe you are in isolation like the rest of us and are wondering what happened and where will we go from here. The world has changed and will continue to adapt to this new normal. It is left to us to define what the new normal will be. This is a blank slate for the world, a global reset button. Many of you are fearful, afraid, and nervous. That is very understandable. It is a frightening thing, change, and the unknown. I think it is very exciting. We only know where we are going by understanding where we came from. Look, we are on the doorstep of history. What we are experiencing will be spoken about for generations, for hundreds of years. Our great-great-great-grandchildren will discuss these days in school. The world is pulling together like never before. Not even the wartime of 1940 has seen the global cooperation that we are now witness to. This is humanity's finest hour. Yes, I know there are stories of the idiots or COVID-idiots ignoring self-isolation, social distancing, still hoarding goods, businesses still open, price gouging, wandering around in droves. In a population of billions, you have to expect a few rotten apples. The rest of us are helping each other, watching the climate improve, seeing life in a whole new way, communicating and sharing. We are actually reaching out to our neighbors like never before. This is Sunday morning, March 22nd, 2020, and the first real day of spring. The season of rebirth is bringing in a whole new world. Let's take a look back at how we got here. The journey happened very fast. One day we were thinking about what changes should happen, and the next day we were forced to cope with the changes that did happen that we never thought would happen. The day after that, we were looking at a completely different world. So now the earth is closed for two weeks, maybe longer. And how did we get here? From my perspective in Winnipeg, Manitoba, we really didn't hear about the new coronavirus until January 2020, and even then it was just some remote flu sweeping through Wuhan province in China. We just assumed it was spreading due to overcrowding and poor hygiene conditions. It was an isolated incident, but something happening to someone else somewhere far away. We even joked about it. January 21st was the first U.S. case of someone who had returned from China. Understandable, you were in China and caught the flu. Happened before. Our superior healthcare system in the West will take care of that. But then the World Health Organization declared the coronavirus an emergency in China. Wow, that doesn't sound too good for them. Still, we are a long way from China. January 24th, there are three cases in France. January 25th, the first Canadian case in Toronto. This man's wife becomes patient number two. They both came from outside of Canada and both have recovered. Okay, so the cold and flu tends to travel like that. I'm in Winnipeg, so I guess I'm pretty safe. Just the flu, right? January 28th, the first man in BC returning from Wuhan. January 30th, the WHO declares a global health emergency. Inside China are 8,000 infected and 170 dead. There are 98 cases in 18 other countries. Now we are taking a bit of notice, yet our leaders in healthcare systems in the first world will manage us through this, right? This is the modern world, after all. February 2nd, it is now in the Philippines with one death. The first death outside of China. Still kind of remote. February 5th, a cruise ship, the Diamond Princess, confirms an outbreak, but they're really floating petri dishes, so we don't really consider that too much. February 11th, the World Health Organization officially named the disease that is caused by the virus SARS-CoV-2, and COVID-19 is the new reality. This is becoming less of a them problem and more of an us problem. 
February 21, the cases in South Korea double overnight to 204. The first Italian dies. The first case of local transmission is reported. In Iran, the disease flourishes and kills four people. February 25th, and the number of cases outside of Wuhan now exceeds China's reported numbers. Around this time, the WHO says that this can still be contained, but nobody listens or follows their directions. We are oh so proud of our modern world. Obviously, the WHO is being overly dramatic and excessive. The next day, Quebec reports its first cases, and Washington State reports their first death. Now, pay attention, kiddies, and hold on tight. Things are about to accelerate. We're in March now. March 4th, 17 days ago, the Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, created a cabinet committee to study the emerging situation as Canadian cases hit 33 with no deaths. Yet. 33. Global mortality rate from COVID-19 is less than 3.5%, but this is considered higher than the seasonal flu. People still dismiss it as a rampant cold or flu, badly affecting a small number of people, while the rest of us will recover, like any flu. I know, I was one of the naysayers. We thought it was mostly harmless. March 6th, and we were told to avoid cruises and to self-monitor for symptoms after travel. Well, if our government is still downplaying this, maybe it isn't too bad. March 9th, a Monday, and now we have Canada's first death in B.C., an 80-year-old man in a nursing home. Well, we accepted he was in poor health anyway. It was sad, but expected from the flu. We continue to deny. March 11th, and we have Canada's patient zero who came in from Austria. Confirmed cases in Canada are now at 116. The health minister predicts 30 to 70% of Canadians will become infected. The Fed announces a $1 billion stimulus package. NBA and NHL and other sports have suspended games. Concerts are canceled. Gatherings are stopped. And then the worst came. The World Health Organization declared a global pandemic. Now the stinky stuff was hitting the fan. We began to realize that we were wrong. This is going to be bad. This was now an our problem. Canadians. The world. Everybody. Things started going into overdrive. Now hold on tight. March 12th, nine days ago, the PM reports that his wife is sick and he goes into isolation with her and his two kids. Nationwide cases hit 145, such a low number compared to now, yet we thought it was pretty high at the time. March 13th, the Friday going into the weekend, the last sane weekend, the last of the old world weekends, the weekend where it all changed. The government advised against non-essential travel, the House of Commons shut down for five weeks. Work from home is suggested to assist in social distancing, but most employers take a wait-and-see attitude against the advice. 192 cases, an increase of 47 cases in a single day, a 33% increase in one day of cases. March 14th, 252 cases, a 31% increase in a single day. At least the increases appear to be steady. March 15th, 323 cases, a 28% increase. Well, that is not necessarily bad news, right? Okay, so Quebec closed the bars and Nova Scotia reports the first case, but still it seems to be slowing down. The World Health Organization announces that the window to flatten the curve of growing cases is narrowing. Well, that does sound ominous. March 16th, Monday morning, 441 cases, 27% increase, and Trudeau will be closing the border soon with the United States for the first time ever. Well, except for the War of 1812. We probably closed the border then. My boss says we will not be looking at remote work and are watching the, quote, rapidly evolving situation closely, unquote. I rolled my eyes, literally. At this time, I am taking it seriously. My family has started to stockpile staples, canned goods, cleaner, toilet paper, which is flying off the shelves in mad droves, which is good for me because while everyone is fighting over asswipe, I am buying rice, pasta, waters, canned goods, meat, milk, eggs, fruit and veg, pharmacy items, batteries, car stuff. And most importantly, coffee. 
You cannot survive an apocalypse without coffee. My wife has been strategically ordering online, and we have deliveries arriving all week with supplies. By Thursday, we were fully stocked for 20 to 30 days. If we have to quarantine or self-isolate, we will be okay. Oh, and gas dropped below 98 cents. Tuesday, March 17th, the boss decided that we were working from home starting Wednesday. Canada is trying to help people to return to Canada and telling people that it is time to come home. A global recession is declared. Alberta and Ontario declare a state of emergency. BC declares a public health emergency. We have 598 cases, which is a 36% increase. Well, that's going in the wrong direction. Wednesday, March 18th, I will need to come in each morning from 4 to 7 to launch our fleet, but then I run back home. The Canada and U.S. borders closed to non-essential travelers. The Fed announces a $27 billion economic bailout. Newfoundland and Yukon declare a public health emergency. Saskatchewan declares a state of emergency. Social distancing may be required for months, not weeks. 727 cases, 22% increase, still up but slowing, and we are testing more people as well. Thursday, March 19, we have 873 cases, which is a 20% increase. Friday, March 20, the week rolls to a close. New York and California are in total lockdown. Global death total exceeds 10,000 and 255,000 infections. In Canada, 1,087 cases, 25% increase. Bit of a jump, and the shit is getting interesting. The two largest and most economic impacting states in America have closed for business. And here we are on Saturday, March 21st, and I have been inside all day with my family. Globally now, there are 307,627 cases, 13,020 deaths, and 95,797 recoveries. So mortality rate is roughly 4.2%. That's growing from March 4th. In Canada, 1,328 cases, 19 deaths, 14 recoveries, about 35 people per million infected, 22% increase. Well, that was fun. Everyone loves history, right? So that seems scary, and yet when you break it down, it is not so much. Sure, we were caught with our pants down, and we were changing the way we do things to stop the spread of the virus, some pretty dramatic things, but these changes are resulting in something wonderful. We went from a 33% daily increase March 13th to a 22% increase in daily cases a week later, and that is with more testing of more people, more reporting, more buy-in, a drop of 11% in a week. Sure, the numbers are bigger, but... As we move from one day to another, the amount of infections is not growing exponentially. Social distancing and self-isolation is working. Washing hands is working. Following what the WHO has told us is working. And it gave me time to put together this podcast, so that's pretty neat too. Look, I get it. You are scared. This is something scary. It's big, really big. Too big to really comprehend. It's global. But it is scary only because we do not know what is going to happen and the unknown is what scares us. Like being in the dark and hearing a noise that turns out to be nothing. So get excited. This is an incredible once in a thousand year opportunity and you're a part of it. Take time to be with your family. Talk to people online or by phone. Help your neighbors. Play games. Read a book. Hell, write a book. Get caught up on hardcore cleaning. Learn something. A new language. Become an expert in Excel. Drink coffee. And be well. Today I wanted to share a history of how we got here. Tomorrow I'm going to start to look into how we are going to redefine our normal in the time of COVID-19 and where we're going. Tune in and if you can, please share this podcast with others who want to take a positive look at living in a world after COVID-19. 